that relationships will go through And I give it all away Just so I could say that to you I know, I know, I know, I know That you're gonna be okay. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages It's that time again It's the Jog Pod Thank you for clicking on over and giving us a listen As I talked about um, kind of in the lead up um, to getting this going it wouldn't just be having people on and having conversations that i'd be using this as an opportunity to get some stuff off my chest kind of talk about some things i saw going on in the world and we're going to take that opportunity to do that tonight uh, nikki is in with stu- in the studio with me again this evening and we are going to talk about some of the things that have been going on in the world there's so much going on so many news stories um, that we wanted to uh, kind of jump in uh, talk about some things seeing some articles some things that are bothering us. Uh, I believe the term pissed off was used earlier uh, in a conversation that we had today. Rather than just yell and bicker and scream and yell at the TV, we thought that uh, since we have these microphones that we'd come in here and uh, drop a little science. So uh, we are going to do that uh, this evening and put it up for the world to listen to. Say hi to the people, Nick. Howdy. So, boy, that was like the lamest hello. That of is all pretty time. much the worst thing that you have ever done. I am, for real, I'm embarrassed. Like, can um, I? Let's let's rewind that. Nope, no, that's gonna stay in because <laughs> that was awful. I don't have uh, my whole like boys and girls, children of all ages. I don't have my thing. You don't have a shtick. I don't have a. I don't have a shtick. Well, you need to come my up with a gimmick. I have no shtick. Uh, yeah, Jay already has no gimmicks needed, so you're gonna have to come up with something else. Um, so. Several news stories um, out and about. Uh, some interesting things. Obviously, um, the biggest one is um, having to do with uh, the Army. Uh, now, uh, Sergeant Bo Bergdahl being traded for and being brought back from Afghanistan, which seems to have set off a firestorm for real of debate. Um, from the right and the left, because, you know, when's the last time we had a good right and left pissing contest? Oh, probably yesterday. <laughs> but uh, this is just something to get get this, get everything stirred up. And uh, some interesting articles um, that I've read. Uh, a couple of the New York Times, uh, USA Today, um, CNN, talking about uh, different angles. Um, some very frustrated that... So he's being painted as a hero by some, uh, a deserter of his unit by others. And um, it's got a lot of people talking and, of course, has the uh, conservative movement um, in this country all in a tizzy because they can't resist the temptation to get worked up about something. And uh, a couple of these things that I'm reading are really, really bothering me. And I know they're bothering you too. What are a couple of the things that you're looking at that uh, are getting you going here? I think what's bothering me the most is not even anything about Bo Bergdahl himself, but about his family. Like his family seems to be under attack and I don't really understand how any sort of media can justify attacking a soldier's family. Like regardless, whether he deserted his post or not, like... That is information that's going to come out. I'm sure that there will be there will be an investigation into that. I'm assuming he will be on trial. You know, like I'm I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of looking into how exactly it was that he came to be captured. Um but 
ultimately, like, regardless of his actions, like, his family does not deserve to be put through the ringer. Like, they have done nothing but wait for their son and do everything that they can to try and get their son's release. And so, like, I just, like, that more than anything is a very frustrating to me. Like, and particularly from conservatives who are so, like, there's very much a, like, we love our troops. Like, if you're not conservative, you don't love the troops. And and so, like, they really claim that as their own. And then to really just attack this man's family seems absurd to me and is infuriating to me. This is really one of those, they get to hit from both sides of the plate sort of thing yeah. where they get to... Um, and really, you could, they could have gone either way because if they don't make this trade uh, as the Afghan war is winding down, finally, after billions and billions and trillions of dollars have been spent on this just fucking terrible idea uh, to go over there and get into this conflict, um, had they not made this decision, they're going to come at him and say, oh, well, you're leaving a guy behind and you're not doing this and you're not doing that and how could you leave someone behind? And then he decided, he and I say he, President Obama makes the decision um, to go ahead and make this trade and now it's, oh, how could you do that? How could you dare release terrorists back into the world? Um, and it, it's just, you're, you're in such a no-win situation anymore no matter what you do, there's going to be faults found in anything or there's an ulterior motive or, um, you know, you just can't be on the winning side either way. And and so if you haven't read what's going on, let me just give a quick hit about um, kind of what's happened. Uh, June 30th, 2009, uh, PFC Bo Bergdahl left a note in his tent saying that he had become disillusioned with the Army did not support the American mission in Afghanistan and was leaving to start a new life. He slipped off the remote military outpost and took with him a soft backpack, water, knives, a notebook, and writing materials, but left behind his body, body armor and weapons, uh, which is startling given the, host, given the hostile environment uh, around his outpost. So he had to have been in a very precarious mental state to just walk off like that or possibly had something lined up to go to. He knew he was going to be going somewhere safe right. or just didn't care. Yeah. I mean, it seems there seems to be something suspicious about how it was he came to leave the outpost. You know, I mean, he left a note, obviously like that is pretty inflammatory. And so I don't really, I don't really think that that's the issue though. Like, I mean, I can understand his, like, like fellow soldiers being upset that he might come home to, you know, like a hero's welcome and stuff from being a prisoner of war. And I understand that for sure. You know, like, especially if there's some, if there is, if there are questions about how it was that he, how he, how it was that he even came to be a POW. And that, that is one thing in and of itself. But to me, that's a separate issue from whether you bring the guy home or not, you know, like. You bring them home because that's what we do. You don't leave a soldier behind, so right. we bring them home. And you just you have you have to go get him, and then he will stand for any crimes that he's p committed in uh, military court, 
whether that be he is deserving of a court martial uh, and a full discharge, I'm in full support of him um, taking on any punishment that he deserves for not living up to his duty. Yeah. I don't think that's the question at all. Yeah. Um, I think it that seems that's, to be though. It seems to be that, but I do worry that it, it should not be played up as him being a hero. Right. It absolutely should not be. Well, and I but don't he think also, that there but, is any doubt that, I mean, I don't think that many people I, think I of don't, him as a I hero. don't think that there is now. Right. I think if there wasn't all this outrage, it could be a different situation. And that we're looking at all of this coming out after the fact. Right. That's um, one of the things that really bothered me is in a, in a New York Times article that I read. Um, it basically says the furious search for Bergdahl, uh, his critics say, led to the deaths of at least two soldiers and possibly six others in the area. Yeah. Uh, Pentagon officials uh, say that charges are these charges are unsubstantiated and not supported by the review of a database of casualties in the Afghan war. Uh, Joshua Corneliuson, a former medic in Sergeant Bergdahl's platoon, said that, yes, he was angry. Everything that they did in those days was to advance the search for Bergdahl. If we were doing some missions and there was a reliable port, report that Bergdahl was somewhere, our orders were that we were to quit the mission and follow that report. Uh, it was not until 9 a.m. on the roll call on June 30th uh, that the 29 soldiers of 2nd Platoon Blackfoot Company learned that Bergdahl was gone. Um, and something I find interesting and, and some wording and some phraseology that really bothers me comes from Cody, Cody Full, another member of the Bergdahl, Bergdahl's platoon. He says, quote, he wouldn't drink beer or eat barbecue and hang out with other 20-year-olds. And in an interview on Monday that was arranged by Republican strategists for Cody Full, he always was in his bunk. He ordered Rosetta Stones for all the languages there, learning uh, Arabic and some of the other uh, local dialects. And it bothers me that this gets painted in a negative light. Right. Somehow, if you're not willing to crack a beer and have barbecue, you're somehow not okay. Right. I just see that has that has the feel to me of someone feeding him those lines and saying, say this, because those are those hot button Americans are going to get fired up. Oh, oh, well he must not be a man. He didn't crack a beer and hang out with the boys. He was all trying to get smart. Like the, the, the way some people look down on trying to educate yourself really bothers me how it's, it's not embraced that it's, cool to be smart or cool to try to become more intelligent and maybe he had an ulterior motive and that's fine but when these guys are put out to have interviews that are put together by republican strategists and fed lines like that that's where it really starts to bother me yeah um and i don't i don't understand why every soldier wouldn't have been given either rosetta stone or some sort of language and dialect training and maybe they were but I mean, I, w I would think that that would be pretty key to working with a group of people as being able to communicate with them. And it was interesting that uh, both Mr. Corneliuson, Mr. Corneliuson and Mr. Full both said that they wanted Sergeant Bergdahl court-martialed as a deserter. Mm -hmm. uh, and they used basically the same words 
when they were giving separate interviews, um, Corneliuson said, I'm not going to speak on the political, but I think now that he's back, he needs to be held accountable. Mr. Full echoed the point, basically saying, I won't get into the politics, but now that he's back, he needs to be 100% held accountable. Somehow, I don't believe that they have those thoughts in their head. Even if they believe that, that really feels to me like lines that they were being fed. Like, here, this is what you should say. And it's because Republicans and conservatives can't come out and directly attack. They can't attack him. What they have to do is put other people in place that probably share those beliefs. And some of them, maybe rightfully so, but are being fed, here, this is what you need to say. Right. I mean, I feel like if anybody has the right to criticize him, it's the men in his in his platoon. Like, those are the men that were directly affected by... Absolutely. You know, like And I don't have, have a, a right. problem with the criticism. Right. I have a problem with them being guided down a path to say certain things that will lead to other people forming opinions that may or may not be accurate. They absolutely should have an opportunity to have a voice and vent their issues and, and have their frustrations and say how they were negatively impacted by what this person did. And that's fine. What I have a problem with is outside forces driving those narratives to create a story to go in a direction that they want and not where the facts lead. And that gets back to this, uh, this story about how they are talking about these deaths being directly related to the search and facts of the law, military logs of American deaths not really bearing that out as to being accurate. And it's become the narrative on many of the major news channels. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just be, it's it's put out there as a fact that there were six to eight casualties in like the four months after his death and all of those and all of those are being attributed to him and i don't and obviously we weren't there we don't know but people who do know who seem like they should have more information like military actual military personnel don't seem to necessarily be in agree to be agreeing with that and so i don't know and and as well like something i was reading and this comes from eric I don't know how you say his last name, Bollert, and it's from Media Matters for America. And so I will qualify this by saying like Media Matters for America is very liberal and takes the conservative media and rips the crap out of them. And I'm liberal, so I don't have any problem with what he's saying. But <laughs> but um, this was something that he wrote in a, an article that was basically when Fox News declares war on a military family was what this article was called. Um a lot of the current Bergdahl-related theatrics being played out in the right-wing media appear to have been in the works for quite a while. For years, in fact. In 2012, Michael Hastings reported in Rolling Stone um, that when talks first surfaced of a possible prisoner swap between the U.S. and the Taliban, Republic Republicans immediately began playing election year politics. According to White House sources, Mark Grossman, who replaced Richard Holbrook as special envoy to, to Afghanistan and Pakistan, was given a direct 
warning by the president's opponents in Congress about trading Bo for five Taliban prisoners during an election year. They keep telling me it's going to be Obama's Willie Horton moment, Grossman warned the White House. The threat was as ugly as it was clear. The, po- the president's political enemies were prepared to use the release of, of violent prisoners to paint Obama as a Dukakis-like appeaser, just as the Republicans um, did to the former Massachusetts governor during the 1988 campaign. So it seems very premeditated and very contrived and very planned. Yeah, and it's really bothersome that it's these young kids, many of whom are choosing to serve their country out of no other reason than they feel it's their duty. And they get fed these lines of bullshit, and then they're the ones that get played. Like... They're the ones that get used as pawns in this bullshit Washington left-right game that gets played. And I feel so bad for him because I respect anyone that's willing to stand a post. Because I'm not fucking willing to do it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go and be in the military. Not that the military would want me anyway. Like I'm of no use as a soldier. <laughs> but it would be my choice to not be in the military. I made that choice when I was in high school. I had, I took an ASFAB test and scored super high. And they, they called all summer long trying to recruit me into the military. And I had no desire. And this is pre nine 11. This is, this is when being in the military was a whole different thing than it is now. And that just never appealed to me. Um, two of my uncles were in Vietnam. Um, so I, I certainly have the utmost of respect of people that stand up and willing to are, and are willing to serve. But I also wonder if they don't realize how they get played and how there are so many politicians on the right and on the left are willing to trot them out for political points and to score cheap political victories to try and get themselves more money or reelected, or well, they're anything. already fundraising on this right oh, now. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. At the the second it started, uh, I'm sure direct mail campaigns were going out, and yeah. the robocalls, and all this stuff on both sides. We're a couple of days into this story, and of course, the impeachment talk is already starting. Um, I was watching uh, the local news uh, here just a little bit before we came on, and there it is, impeachment already looking at stirring up that hornet's nest again. And honestly, if Bush didn't get impeached, I don't understand how you can impeach uh, President Obama. Uh, President Bush took us into these bullshit wars, Had was given the broadest powers ever, the, the most broad interpretations of the Constitution, some of which... President Obama has carried over and continued in those policies, which pisses me off just as much. Yeah. Um, I'm not one of these people. That I, I absolutely supported Barack Obama. I voted for him in 2008. I voted for him in 2012. But I am certainly a member of the Liberal Democratic Party that is not happy with a lot of the things that he's done. He's not been able to stand by some of the principles that he's made. But also, I think that's because he lived in a fantasy world where he was going to be able to make these changes and showed up in Big Bad Washington. They're like, 
yeah, right, motherfucker, we're going to show you what's going to happen. So I'm not one of these, I can't think for myself, and I only do what the liberal media tells me to do. And liberal media, conservative media, all you need to know is that the media is slanted, and it's your responsibility as a citizen to be informed and to sift through the bullshit and find sources of information that will tell you enough information that you can form your own opinion. And that's what's so important. There is so much information available to all of us. So much more than was ever than has ever been available to people at one time in the history of the world. It's hard to weed through it. Absolutely. But it's also important to take that responsibility because if you just allow a news station, a particular news station, whether it's Fox, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, whichever the side of the fence you're on, if you only allow that point of view to dictate your 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 situation, you're not fully informed. Yeah. Did you see the thing about just a little side note um, about Stephen Colbert and how I I don't I didn't re- actually read the whole article, but it was basically like yeah. if you watch the Colbert report, you're actually getting more accurate and more complete news than you are if you're watching. There was there was a recent study news. that said you will get more accurate information watching Stephen Colbert. You get more news out <laughs> of a satirical news show, That's and amazing. you get a better education about important issues. I believe one of the things they pointed to was um, FEC financing. Um, during the 2012 election, um, you, they spent more time and were better able to educate people on the ramifications of that than not only cable news, but local evening news. <laughs> That's amazing. It's just From incredible. a fictional, satirical news program. Yeah. That's where we are in this world. And... So much of what you see on the news, it's bad news. Um, Especially here. Like, our local news oh, here is seriously. fucking horrendous. Well, Jared <laughs> Jared Mann, who is the drummer for um, one of our favorite, our favorite local band, Another Alibi, posted a screen cap from the, the rundown of news stories that they were getting ready to do that night um, on one of the news channels in Tulsa. And it was murder, murder. Mom with baby who a baby test positive for meth, which was here in Bartlesville. Bartlesville, A two year old child tested positive with meth in their system. I I honestly, I think that actually leads fairly well into, into our next story, which is the, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about this one. I'm sure you have. The two 12-year-old girls oh in Wisconsin God. that uh, stabbed their classmate. Their friend. Not just You're a right. classmate. Yeah. They friend. A- had a slumber party Friday night, went out into the woods, and then tried to kill her. Planned it for months. Like, since February, they've been planning it. Almost immediately after stabbing her classmate in the woods in suburban Milwaukee over the weekend, Anissa Weir, 12, had some regrets. For months, she and Morgan Geyser, also 12, had been scouring the internet for stories about a tall, creepy, blank-faced figure called Slenderman, a fictional boogeyman who they insisted was real 
and lived in a mansion in a nearby forest, according to a criminal complaint charging both girls with attempted murder. That's like Joe Carroll, like from the following crap. Morgan Geyser, the accused accomplice, was not so conflicted when talking to detectives. It's weird that I didn't feel remorse, she said. She later said it was probably wrong. It was probably wrong. It was probably wrong? And what's interesting is I've read three or four different stories on these kids. Not once have I seen a mention of the parents. Um, I saw a little... The only thing I saw was um, the dad was walking out. They must have had a hearing or something. And the dad of one... I don't remember which one of the girls it was. If it was guys or weird. But um, he just basically said we're not commenting at this point. So my, my question is... You have to know that your child is predisposed to having being overly interested in things like that i mean shouldn't that shouldn't there been some sort of warning sign but the thing is like how do you know like lots of kids lots especially like like preteen kids and teenage kids are into horror sort of stuff i mean lots of people are into horror movies and or into horror stories and writing and whatever right but why do 12 year old have 12 year old kids have access what is this website called creepy pasta or something yeah why the hell do they have why do they why do they have access to a website like this? Why does a 12-year-old need to be writing reading horror fanfic? Right. Why? Well, and I mean, I wasn't I was reading like Stephen King and stuff like that when I was a kid. I read some pretty disturbing. I mean, I had hellacious nightmares for a long time, which I blame my aunt for actually because she's the one who exposed me to Stephen King. But like I never th- thought of I mean and Stephen King was a little different because it was more like I mean it wasn't I I don't know I, none of it ever seemed like it could really happen you know like it always seemed like it was very far-fetched you know like it was interesting reading but not anything that was actually going to happen but I mean I was into horror I was into I was very interested in that sort of stuff but never did it ever occur to me to try and kill someone when on the site, like basically to climb up into this slender man's realm, a user must kill someone. One of the suspects told police. So like, so she had to actually believe that this thing was real right? and that she was going to kill someone. And then she was going to get to go like, I don't know, chill in the mansion. Like, why do you want to go chill in the creepy mansion with the dude that wants you to kill people? Like, I don't understand that. Like, why do you think, I just don't understand. And so Weird tells the detectives that they thought that they would be able to impress him, Slender Man, and be able to go live with him by killing someone. So on the Saturday morning, they had a sleepover with their victim. They had stashed away a kitchen knife and lured her into the woods by telling her they were going to go bird watching and play hide and seek. And Geyser, Geyser tells detectives... That people you, that trust you are very gullible. They passed by a public bathroom and then some trees. And then Geyser said, stabby, stab, stab. Damn. That is how she described what they did to this friend. Stabby, stab, stab. Like that is that is a phrase that's going to haunt me. 
Yeah. That a 12-year-old kid just said stabby, stab, stab. And then apparently showed no remorse. None. Like, they talked completely openly with the cops, it sounds like. I mean, from everything I read, the article that I read basically said that they both spoke readily with the police. Like, they didn't seem to... Like, they didn't... I don't think they grasped what they what Geyser, they did. Geyser said of Slender Man, he would watch her and could read her mind. He could teleport and admits re, emits radiation that makes you sick and doesn't use computers because they don't work when he's around. Like, there's a scary level of belief in that story. So... That means that she read things on the internet and believed them so wholeheartedly that she was willing to try to kill someone. And she believes that this slender man was then going to be her friend. Right. Well, and they, I mean, they put a lot of thought into it. Like they had several different scenarios that they had thought of. Like, um, at first they thought they would try and duct tape over her mouth while she was sleeping and stab her in the neck. And then they, um, and then they thought maybe they should kill her in the bathroom. The one, in the, floor the one in the bathroom really fucking bothers me. Like, the, seriously. Oh, we're going to use the, we're going to use a bathroom that has a floor drain. So it'll be easier to clean up. What 12 year old is thinking about that sort of stuff. It's right. I just can't even imagine. And that poor little girl who got stabbed, like, I mean, uh, can you even imagine it was somebody on a bike that found her, right? Yeah, like, some some she crawled they left her on her own to crawl out of the woods and but for a centimeter. Yeah, they nearly hit her heart. A centimeter and she would instantly have been dead. It's a mere I I'm I was shocked cuz everything I read like it wasn't I figured that she hadn't been killed cuz they were saying that well and they said attempted murder right. so I guess that should have been my clue but it's like, well, how, has do you, how does somebody get stabbed 19 times and not die? Like, that's right. unbelievable. And she has she has damage to her stomach, to her pancreas. Um, it's... Can you even... I mean, that little girl is screwed up forever. Like, she's... According to the detectives, the victim looked at her friends and screamed, I hate you, I trusted you. These are 12-year-old kids. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Where where are we going wrong? So because then I wonder, like, was that little... Was the little girl who was the victim... Like, was she... Uh, she must have been into this site as well and trusted them and had no idea that they were going to turn maybe. on her. I, that that would be an interesting fact of the kid, to get a part of if... It, was it that she trusted them as friends and they were just hanging out? Or if she was part of this Slender Man hanging, like, maybe, who knows? Maybe her and maybe her and Geyser were working on a plan to try to kill the other one. Mm. Like, I just don't understand. Is it is it that there's so much available to kids and kids are exposed to so much more that what is... The equivalent of what a twelve-year-old now is like for us growing up, being like sixteen or seventeen, with the amount of stuff that they're exposed to and the amount of 
so many children are being treated so much less like children and so more much more like adults or at least they have access to enough information that it makes them feel like they're adults i i will say like we had some very limited resources you know like yeah. i mean you could there certainly were weird kids and there was weird stuff you get into but like the weirdest stuff people got into when i was a kid was like dungeons and dragons and stuff you know like like well, I mean, no, and you said, I mean, you guys had Stephen King books and what, yeah, like I mean, Dean Koontz, like, wasn't Dean Koontz like a horror writer? I don't know, I never um, read him, but yeah. I think yeah. he's, uh, and I mean, there's there's the scary movies and this sort of stuff, but none of that was, none of that was written in the guise of, hey, you can be my friend, hey, you know, do you, if you kill for me, it was all, it all seemed very much like it was this is for entertainment. Right. Like it's messed up, but it's entertainment. Right. Well, and I think the difference too, even is like for, like for people in our age range or, or that are older, like when I go onto a website or something like it's entertainment to me, it's not something that I'm like, I don't feel, I don't find value or worth through a website that I visit. Cause what if we were watching that it was um frontline wasn't it that was talking about the internet and kids and overexposure and and everything wasn't it it was a frontline episode that we were watching and like there was a girl that they interviewed on it and i can't remember which i don't remember who oh it was um twilight wasn't it she goes on to the twilight website no no no. you're thinking of this was the they were talking about the effects of social media and and entertainment and kids and she was it was Hunger Games. Hunger Games. And she had to get so many retweets and friend posts and yeah, stuff like she to had, get points to unlock special. She, and she always wanted to be the top one. So, like, the girl spent literally, like, every freaking waking minute on the Hunger Games site to try and get, to try and be the top one always. And, like, she said something at one point, like, it's a lot of work. <laughs> and, like... It's not a lot of work. Like, this is an entertainment thing. Like, what the hell are you doing? And I think maybe this is a conversation that I would need to maybe have with Ashton or um, or Noah. Like... Which are my nephews. Right. Do, do the kids in their age range, like, do they actually... And it's probably different for them because they kind of live in more of a remote area. And it, you maybe might want to be better to, like, try to track down kids that live maybe more in the city. But is... Are there are they actually hanging out? Like do they do things or are is everyone trying to be friends with their phone? So it seems like even now even the most outcast kid always has a friend cuz they always have their phone or they have an iPad or they have a laptop right. and so they can connect with other kids that maybe and the problem is not only can they connect with kids their age, they can connect and get into places where kids their age should not be. Yeah. And then are but, then influenced by much older kids that are typing and and putting and not out even older kids, way like, darker stuff. Creepy adults that should not. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we've been on. I mean, I've been online enough. I date, I did online dating. I did all that stuff. Like, I met some really creepy people. And I am in. I'm definitely not a the internet should be scrubbed and monitored and i i'm absolutely not 
this is a parental responsibility. You have an, right. a responsibility as a parent, and I'm not a parent, so I'm not. It's easy you know, for you, us. It's to easy say. for me to say, but you talk to a lot of parents that have kids in school. There is a strong lack of parental discipline. There's a strong. There's a lack of parental responsibility, and. Well, I just don't even think that they know what their kids are like when your kid is online or on their phone or if, you know, if they, however they get online, like parents don't even know what their kids are in. Right. And can you, I mean, just think about, so when we were these kids age and 12, you know, 12, 15 years old, you know, that's 15, 20, 25 years ago, the technological changes, um, all of that stuff put together, children are exposed to so many other things. They have access to so many things that are not good for them. And you think about the stuff that we tried to get away with or thought that we were getting away with or the stuff that we did get away with. Now you take, you know, having the nudie magazine or, you know, stealing a smoke or you know, whatever the case may be. They're not trying to do that stuff. They're trying to get on the web, get to a site they're not supposed to be at, connecting with people that are putting bad thoughts into their brains. And so many kids have access to this stuff that their parents aren't able to monitor at all. And so it's it goes back to maybe your kid doesn't need an iPad. Well, and I think too, like, there's a question of like, obviously, like these girls that that committed this, that uh, tried to kill the their friend, like, obviously things are not connecting in a correct way. Like, they haven't had mental evaluations as far as I know yet. Like, nothing I read said that they had yet, but that that was going to be coming soon because they're going to be tried as adults, and I'm sure that they're going to try to have some sort of insanity plea or some sort of something, you know, some sort of mental debility, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? And that's uh, mental incapacity probably. That's what I'm looking for. And here's another thing. Like, why the hell are we trying 12-year-old kids as adults? Right. Like, you know, we're one of like five countries in the world that executes minors and the other ones are like Iran and Saudi Arabia. Like, a list of people you don't want to, a list of countries you don't want to be on. Like, that's barbaric. Like, I don't, I, how is it that you can't rehabilitate a 12 or 15 or 16 year old kid? Right. Well, I mean, once they get into the system, though, like, their rehabilitation options become very, very limited. And so, like, I mean, obviously, we don't know anything about their home lives and their families and stuff. You know, like, there's a lot of things that you can assume, but I don't think that it's safe to assume that. Like, these girls could have very stable home lives, and they just are into this horror stuff and thought it would be, like, there's definitely something, like, to not have remorse. Like, it's a normal human reaction I guess in my understanding of it, like a normal human reaction would be when you see someone who especially is someone that is your friend that has been stabbed multiple times, like that you're going to have compassion about that. And especially if you're the one who did it, like I I don't, 
I mean, I can understand like, no, I don't even know if I can understand. Like maybe from the perspective of like it happened and then you've, are scared about it, you know like you don't know what to do or whatever but that does not seem to be the case like these girls had it very it was very planned out and they don't seem to i don't think that they really understand the gravity of what they did no i don't think they did at all and i think the one the one girl um was it weiss weir um i think maybe she had a little better grasp on what happened and she felt a little bit bad about it the other one i don't it's it's really troubling. And I think this would be another good thing to talk about my good to talk to about with my good friend Jen Baker who deals with uh, mental illness and things in the Twin Cities. I think it would be interesting to have a conversation with her and talk about what are some of the things that she's noticed in changes of um the uptick in the amount of kids that are suicidal. Mm-hmm. Um you know how much of that stuff stems from kids that having been on medication way too at a, way too early of an age. All of this this rampant prescription of um, you know ADD medication and all that sort of stuff. How you know the, some of those kids that get taken off of those drugs um, and this, the the massive side effects that that causes, um, and you know just what some of the some of the tough stuff that is going on that kids are having to deal with, um, in terms of, uh, of mental illness, because mental illness is definitely something that is still looked down upon in this country that a lot of people don't have a a full understanding of, um, of what mental illness is. It's, you know, it's, it goes back to that thing that, uh, um, um, Dave Chappelle said, um, you know, don't call someone crazy. It's, it's so dismissive to just call someone crazy. Um, you know, they could have, they could have a legitimate mental illness. They could, it, there could be so many extending extenuating circumstances. It's so unfair to just call someone crazy. And, um, it seems like there is certainly a, there's still a stigma, uh, with mental illness, mm-hmm. um, in this country. So, uh, certainly a story that uh, continue to follow along um, as more comes out. It'd be interesting to see um, if some more details on this story come out in terms of, you know, what part their friend played, like if their friend was a part of this group. Um, and, of course, you got the people that are already trying to say, oh, blame the website and all that. I'm not even going to get into that. I think it's ridiculous. It's like saying Marilyn Manson was responsible for calm. I don't I don't believe that shit for – Right. I don't either. Well, I, and think, I think I, I mean, think I think it's frustrating that that stuff is available to them, but that's not that website's responsibility to make sure a 12-year-old can't get to their website. And I and I also think that it's one thing to have influence, certainly, but at some point like they're like basic human basic human like feelings and emotions and like a sense of right and wrong, like all of those things should be need to be kicking in. And so I don't know if that is, if, if we've are maybe starting to lose some of that, if we're losing some humanity along the way, um, as we get more electronic and more into these worlds, you know, like, I don't know, but. And, and probably given 
the possibility of mental issues that that at least one of these girls had that if it wasn't this it would have been something else right you know you can blame this website but she could have been exposed to something else that would have led her down a, a dark path as well and so I mean, seriously maybe this girl's a psycho i mean it sounds like she's a psychopath i mean she i mean it certainly is a possibility she felt no remorse about stabbing her friend like i just can't i can't imagine that speaking of psychopaths <laughs> Um, did you see this? I know I, I mentioned this story to you last night. Um, and it turns out in reading a little bit, it actually, I thought when the tweet went out was that it was like had occurred recently. Um, but according to CNN, a dangerous Russian flyby was something straight out of a movie. Uh, a Russian fighter jet buzzed dangerously close to a U.S. military plane uh, back in April describing the flyby as something you might see in Top Gun. Oh, God. The Russian jet flew within 100 feet of the nose of a U.S. Air Force reconnaissance plane over uh, sea, the Sea of Ahotkisht. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's an easy one. <laughs> I'm sure it's Akhotsuk. Akhotsuk? I'm not, I'm not familiar. All right. Anyway... Uh, a sea between Russia and Japan. Uh, a U.S. spokesperson said the flyby put the lives of the U.S. crew in jeopardy, calling it one of the most dangerous close passes in decades. And basically what I read was that it was 100 feet in front and it banked sh to show the plane its missiles, which is like basically a big FU. Right. I got to... I'm ever increasingly nervous about what is going on with Russia. Yeah, there's some ramping up it seems to be. Well, and I mean we're going to increase our military presence in Europe it sounds like. So, or we're going to try to anyway. So, yeah, President Obama looking to to uh get Congress to what what was the number is it 6 billion? 1 billion. A billion dollars in yeah. increased uh military support for uh European forces. Just, it I mean, seems like we're doing war games. You know, like we're going to increase military training exercises and training missions on the continent. Like basically, we're gonna we're gonna be showing Russia our dick. You know, and seeing what they have to show. Like the big, <laughs> the like bigger dick happening. foreign policy back in full effect as uh, the U.S. Of course, I mean, we haven't really started any major conflicts uh, in a little while, so we're we're about due. I mean, we average you know a great uh, a massive military conflict over the the lifespan of this country like every 20 years um and with the speed and and the way things move now i mean you know probably going to be a little bit shorter this time so what i found was interesting so um where was this article from usa today i think um so this was from President Obama. Our contingency, our contingency plans are not just pieces of paper on a shelf, he said, adding that the U.S. must and does have the abil ability to put those plans into effect if needed, i.e. upping their presence in, in Europe and also like contingency plans for if conflict needs to happen with Russia. Um, but then he goes on to say, we are interested in good relations with Russia. We are not interested in threatening Russia. I mean, those seem like some threatening, like, that seems like a very contradictory stance. Like, yeah. uh, you know, we want to have, we want to have friendship with you and we want everything to be good. But 
uh, in the meantime, we're going to load our guns so we can shoot you if we yeah. have to. And basically, like he echoed previous warnings from the U.S. and other Western nations that further provocation will be met with further costs. So basically, like the more Russia screws around, the more there's going to be sanctions and eventually military action. I mean, that seems like what that's saying to me. So we have that to look forward to. Yay. Again, another uplifting story. Do you have anything <laughs> fun to talk about? Do you have anything uplifting? <sighs> did you see? Did you happen to see? Um, there's a story on Huffington Post that uh, George R. R. Martin might not only do a seventh book, but maybe even extend it into an eighth book. Ooh, that makes and me so excited. That, of course, George R. R. Martin is uh, the writer and author of the uh, Game of Thrones, the books that the Game of Thrones uh, television show is. Uh, Based Which upon. I think is A Song of Ice and Fire, I think is what... Yeah, I think that's what it is. The series is called. I'm reading it for the second time, but I don't know what they're called. <laughs> so it's... It seems like it's it's one of... I, I believe it was put as it's a good and bad thing that, you know, he's... There There may be more coming, but, you know, it's you're going to get a seventh book and an eighth book. Um, It'll probably really take him 20 books. years to get to that eighth book, though, so... Yeah, the way, the way it's he been coming out slow. for him. Um, what else are we excited about? Oh, we are excited about the fact that uh, Dave Grohl of Foo Fighters is going to be, uh, well, not only is Foo Fighters going to be releasing a new album, but they're going to have a companion docuseries on HBO chronicling the making of the album as they travel to um, great music cities all across the country and writing songs that are inspired by the musical history uh, and interviews uh, that Dave uh, did to get those set up. Apparently the uh, album is just eight songs, um, but it's uh, maybe uh, apparently the longest eight songs. It seems uh, like it's maybe not going to be super radio friendly. <laughs> no, I, I believe I believe the quote was, "I didn't go into the studio to write a three and a half minute K R O Q rock jingle." K Rock Jones. K Rock. Yeah, I know, but oh. the letters are K R O Q. All right, everybody knows it as K Rock. I don't care what other people. Not I bet, and not everybody knows what it is K Rock. What I'm excited about is like being a huge music nerd. Like I love to see like how everything gets made. I love to see how a song gets written and, and stuff. And so, because the wasting light, um, like their last album was called wasting light and the documentary for that one and kind of the process of making it was interesting. Um, but they don't go in, they don't delve really into how those songs come to be. And so I think with this album, and with the series that they're going to have going along with it. And it seems like we might get some really cool information about how exactly those songs came to be the, the direct kind of inspiration for them, which that I just love that. I'm always interested in the songwriters perspective and how, how they came to, to write what they wrote. I'm very interested in that. So I'm, I'm really excited about the series. And so much of, the documentary you were talking about uh, in the lead up to Wasting Light was more of a Foo Fighters retrospective. Like right. this is the build up, and this is how they got to Wasting Light, which is definitely a, an interesting story. You couple that with the fact that uh, Dave Grohl branched out on his own to uh, write, direct, produce, develop um, a great documentary called Sound City. Um, if you haven't checked that out, I ha if you like music um, and you like basically any re really good rock album for the last 30 years chances are um well longer than that even that uh you know basically any fleetwood mac um tom petty so many great artists went Rage through the machine sound city 
Lots of artists went through Sony. And so, if you have, if you're a musical history nerd at all, and you haven't had a ch- chance to check that out, even I if highly you're recommend. not that much of a nerd about it, like it's still really interesting. I think. Yeah, it, it's a great, it's a great documentary, and yeah. it will really make you realize how how great music can be made in like a complete shithole. Yeah, exactly. That place was such a dump. <laughs> like you you may have a, an, an idea of what glamorous uh, rock stars do to make their music. This was, was certainly not, not it. City. No. So that's that's a great thing to take a look at. Um so our summer TV season is pretty much upon us. We're kind of in a, the doldrums of of what uh what yeah. we're watching on TV. Game of Thrones is ramping up to come to the conclusion. We so got just two more episodes. Two episodes left till oh, the end of this makes season. Me so sad. And apparently, I'm in for some good stuff. I haven't read the books. Nikki has read the books, so she kind of has an idea of some of the stuff that's coming. I'm um, really excited to see how they do some of the stuff that's. Coming I don't. Up. I don't want to get do any spoilers or really talk too much about last week's episode. Um, the way it ended, not super excited about what that means for um, a character that I'm very fond of and. If it goes the way that I think it's going, I'm not going to be very happy when this season is over. <laughs> so Nikki doesn't give me any spoilers um, and doesn't really tries very hard to not guide me in the direction, especially since she can't lie. And so if I ask the direct question, she gets this look on her face and and plays dumb like I don't know what she's talking about. But <laughs> Dude, what? Huh? Did, what? did you say something? What? 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 Hmm? You know that doesn't work, right? <laughs> then I just know that you're lying to me. <sighs> so what else do we got going on? I mowed the lawn tonight. I'm freaking exhausted. I'm God, so, so damn here. out of shape, and it's so hot. It's so hot. But like apparently, hottest we're gonna day get, so far. But apparently, we're gonna get like some torrential rains over the next few week, a uh, few days. So, gotta get it out of the way, or spend uh, a week trying to hack your way through that. The next time you gotta mow it. Yeah, and it sounds like we might be having some. But that's not gonna be public knowledge. Well, it's not that I. I, I want it to be a surprise. We may have a surprise guest coming to visit uh, in the next couple of days. I want to save that as a teaser for uh, a well, live. I wasn't ab- going to say who it was. I just said we might have some company. Okay. Well, I didn't know that, so I didn't want you to <laughs> spoil it. Okay. So we may have a very special guest live in studio uh, for the Jog Pod uh, coming up here in the next couple of days. So we're very excited about that. May have a few interesting stories to tell. Um, been working on lining up some guests for future episodes of just another white guys podcast. I'm super excited. Talked to some people that I didn't, I don't even really know that well, but I found out that I have some ties with just through work and things like that. So people that have some very interesting stories may have on someone that had, uh, worked at the Johnson space center in Houston, Texas and had, um, actually worked in mission control on NASA space shuttle missions so dude that's uh, freaking awesome that could be pretty cool i'm hoping to get that lined up in a couple weeks talk to some other friends um jeremy sanoski working on a new album which i'm very excited about we've talked about uh bringing him on um he's thinking maybe he'll probably want to come on when it's a little bit closer to having the album done talk about uh i'm so excited that sanoski's doing new music all the build up to the new album um, and side note on Jeremy Sanoski, he was our musician for our wedding. <laughs> we love that kid. I sang for his wedding, so he had to sing for mine. That's only right. That's right. Uh, so that's a couple of the people that we're looking at to to bring on. And of course, Nikki will be back. We'll delve into part three of what I like to call the story of us. 
so beautiful. So obnoxious. Wow. I just really didn't think that we were that interesting to even have a three part, but I guess we're I'm not. not that interesting, but you have some interesting stories. And there have been people <laughs> that have come up to me and said, I didn't even know that much about Nikki. I'm so excited that you got her on to tell her stories and, and, uh, going to Australia sounds like so much fun. And they want you to do more music. Please play more music. We're Scotty gonna... was Scotty was very mad that I didn't close the first episode with you doing a song or something. I don't I don't think that he understands how hard it is to just get this stupid thing on the <laughs> internet that I not We're ready not to record. Good at it yet. Not ready to record live music. <laughs> you can go to YouTube and listen to her sing. The of Nikki course, Jones. The Nikki Jones on YouTube. You're more than welcome to check it out. If you haven't followed us yet, please follow the show on Twitter at jogpod. J-A-W-G-P-O-D on Twitter. Um, probably going to put up a Facebook fan page. Um, that way I can spare some of the people that don't give a crap about the podcast from seeing <laughs> me talk about it constantly on my personal Facebook That's site. That's probably a good idea. You're going to lose some friends, I would imagine, yeah, at some point. I don't really I mean, care. screw them, but... <laughs> if, they, if they get rid of me over that... They weren't really my friends anyway. Yeah, you said way more. That's right. So all the, I'm sure, based on the responses that I get, I'm guessing so many people just have me blocked from their timeline that they don't even realize that this podcast is out there, <laughs> which is fine. That's the right. It's entirely possible that I have a few of you that are listening to this blocked on my Facebook page. So, you know, doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means yeah. I don't really care what you have to say. <laughs> if you say dumb stuff, chances are you you're might gonna be get blocked. blocked. <laughs> Should that be uh, the Dustin Jones? random rule for life i think that's a good one rule number 63 if you say dumb shit on facebook it doesn't mean that i don't like you but i will probably block you (laughs) all right we're gonna wrap it up that's about an hour for today um i think we may just kind of just drop these in in um you know whenever the mood strikes us if we got stuff that we want to talk about things we have to get off our chest Maybe just come in, have some fun, tell some stories, let you know what's going on in our world. Um, if you'd like to share what's going on in your world, let's have some things you want us to talk about, um, please drop us a line. You can hit me at jogpod at gmail.com, J-A-W-G-P-O-D at gmail.com. Easy for me to say. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up live from the Jogpod studios in beautiful Bartlesville, Oklahoma for Nikki Jones. I'm Dustin Jones. Thanks for listening. Always protect the five hole. It's just me against the world. 